The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. It's scripture. You're not to worry about what you're to eat. You're not to worry about what you are to drink. You're not to worry about what you'll be clothed in. You're not to worry about tomorrow. Why is these things stated? God's principles are laid out very clearly. If you live His commandments, live His statutes, if you're seeking the kingdom of God, all these things will be given unto you. And when they're not, you haven't been living His statutes. You haven't been following His directions. I remember as a kid in school, grammar school, and all the nuns talking about the famine in Africa. And I wonder, why is there famine there? Because what I even understood as a youth, that when famine comes, it's a result of sin. Yes, the good suffer with those who sin. It's always been the way. You'll need those victims that God's mercy has shined down on to bring fruit back from the soil to get rid of famine. But we have to ask ourselves, what's going on in Africa? 
What's happening in other places when these things happen? What kind of wickedness is, wicked has been accepted by the, elect, the, the righteous? Because God can't say one thing in the scriptures. You're going to be fed. You're going to be clothed. You're going to have everything you need to drink. You're going to prosper. And yet bring a famine home if those who are living and seeking the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. You say, how can God make a desert bloom out? Our lady's doing it. She says, I come to Medjugorje. It's going to be an oasis. Around every oasis, the devil is seeking to lurk it around it, to destroy it. You, my children, preserve it. You want an oasis. You have to act now. You have to be thinking. And that's what we're not doing. Look at the principles of what God and how he reacts to his people. You have an father will feed you, Matthew 6 just, just stated. So when famine visits, we have to question why is famine visiting? I know the Holy Father said many vocations are coming out of Africa, but he's concerned with them because those vocations have mixed things in it like witchcraft. They want to go with certain things. And so it is, we have spread evil all across the world. And we're staring at the face of famine as we've never known it before. Not because it's a natural event. If we heard this past Sunday in Mass that Noah, or rather Moses, struck the rock and water came forth, and to this day that water still flows, God will take care of us. He says that. If you're a good son, if you're seeking my kingdom, the Heavenly Father knows what your needs are. You think he's not going to meet that? So what we see, what we feel, what we sense coming is because the disasters is a result of the disaster of our life. In Isaiah 32 Beginning at verse 9, it says, Rise up, you women, who are, at, who are at ease. Hear my voice. You complacent daughters, give ear to my speech. In little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women, for the vintage will fail. Tuesday night of this week, we're supposed to be in the 20s degrees down here in the south. That means a lot of peach blossoms are going to be sprouted out are going to die. It means going to be less of a crop. In the 1800s in Alabama and across many places, went, uh, summer never came. Not even springtime weather. Stayed winter. Research, look it up. It's one year that happened. If man's not obedient, nature is. If man can't be obedient because he's got the free choice and free will not to be obedient, nature has no free will. God, the saints tell us, often will act through nature as our punishment. Nature is used to correct man often. What happened to Noah in the flood? What's happened in the past? What happened to the volcano in Pompeii? All these things is written but yet we can't see it because we're deaf and blind and our lady says, you don't know which way the world is going without my son. So it goes on and says, 
You will shudder, you complacent women, for the ventures will fail. The fruit harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Shudder, you you complacent ones. Strip and make yourselves bare and grid sackcloths upon your loins. Beat upon your breasts for the peasants, for the peasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soul of my people growing up in thorns and briars. Yea, all the joyous houses and a joyful city. For the palace will be forsaken, the populous city deserted, the hills and the watchtower will become dens forever. A joy of the wild animals, a pasture of flocks until the Spirit is poured out upon, a, upon us from on high. See the principle? We go through tribulation until we cry out to God and the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high. That's what brings revival. The purpose of this is to purify us. And you think we're not facing the same thing now in our modern society where we insulate everything, where we can say, where's the food? And bring it to us. And you have people that come from the outside when a disaster hits, like the hurricane in New York. In three days, you have people in New York where the hurricane hit, getting into the dumpsters, trying to search for food. People who had money, people who had food. Suddenly it was not there. The distribution of that was wiped out in a moment. If you told some of these people in New York in three days, I tell you, your food will be coming from the dumpsters. They'd laugh. They'd say, you're absurd. You're stupid. You're crazy. What are you, a nut? And boom, hurricane hits. That's exactly what happened. One of my sons was doing adjusting in New York. He saw it. He said, it was a strange thing to see people like that, that you know they were well to do, having to do something like that. And that's with everything around the surroundings giving aid to people. They couldn't even get the aid to them with airplanes and the Berlin airlift and those kinds of things, all the capability. They still had people going hungry. So until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. And it goes on and says, then peace of God, the peace of God will reign. Is what it is showing us. It continues in Isaiah, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and the righteousness abide by the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace. Did you catch that? The effect of righteousness. Our ladies' messages are trying to continue to get us to live holiness. The effect of holiness will drive away famine. And the continued effects of holiness and righteousness will keep Famine away. Our lady just says, a shadow of death. I want it to be driven away. It's a hard desire. And yet it's coming because we're not listening. So this is worthy to repeat again. And the effect of the righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, insecure dwellings, and in quiet resting places, and the forest will utterly go down, and the city will be utterly laid low. Did you catch that? Your beautiful, magnificent, great cities are going to be laid low because they're dens of iniquity, dens and habitations of sin. The more rural areas have more God. I've spoken several times about speaking across France. All the cities 
And when you go to one place in France, it's all rural. And God is alive much more and to a higher degree than the other places. You think there's something connected to being to the soil? God certainly shows this throughout civilizations. And we end this in Isaiah where it says, Happy are you who sow besides all waters, and who let the feet of the ox and the animals range free. This comes from The End of Money by Mark Hitchcock. It's a Bible prophecy and the coming economic collapse. He writes, I don't know if you've ever been hungry before. I mean, really hungry. To the point of experiencing a deep gnawing in the pit of your stomach. Or to the point you would eat about anything you could get your hands on. For four years, I worked for Judge Hez Bussey on the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals. He survived the Bataan Death March in the Philippines in 1942 and three and a half years in Japanese concentration camps. When the Japanese surrendered in 1945, the judge, who was about five feet and ten inches tall, weighed a mere 103 pounds. He said if the war had lasted a few more weeks, he would not have survived. He used to tell me stories about eating bugs, worms, or anything he could get his hands on. He told me once about a group of hungry prisoners on a work detail leaping on a snake in the water and carving it up into pieces in a matter of seconds. His fingernails were disfigured from having bamboo shoots jammed underneath them during a Japanese interrogation concerning some stolen rice. He and a few other men had stolen the rice at the risk of their lives, but they didn't give in to the interrogators, even under merciless torture. The average American knows nothing about going hungry. I know I don't. My idea of a fast is a time between lunch and dinner. Sadly, we have the opposite problem in our country. I read recently that 65% of Americans are overweight. About one in three is obese. That is, at least 100 pounds over their ideal body weight. We live in the land of plenty, and we should be deeply thankful for this tremendous blessing from God. But let's face it, too many of us spend way too much time in the pantry and refrigerator. We eat for entertainment and fun. There's an abundance of scrumptious food all around us. According to the Bible, however, it's not always going to be this way. The black horse of famine is on the horizon. Before his ride is complete, the whole world will be like one giant concentration camp, and people will be desperate to find a morsel of food to bring momentary relief. How bad will it be? Revelation chapter 6, verse 6 gives us a glimpse at just two of the devastating consequences of this famine. Number one, terrible inflation. The dire Conditions of the future tribulation period will be triggered by a financial meltdown. This economic tidal wave will result in runaway inflation, which will in turn trigger massive shortages. This will bring on a famine, and people will need a a denarius to buy a measure of wheat or three measures of barley. A denarius is that day in that day was a silver coin equal to an average day's wages for a working man. A measure or quart of grain in the first century was equal to slightly less than our modern-day quart. 
and one measure or quart of wheat was the basic portion of food for one person for one day. What this indicates is that the purchasing power of a denarius will drop far below what is normal. In other words, the world will experience runaway inflation just like the Weimar Republic in the 1920s and Zimbabwe today. Food prices will be so high that it will take everything a person can earn just to buy enough food for one meal for an average person. The food prices listed in Revelation 6, 6 are about 8 to 16 times higher than they were at the time John wrote the warning. As prophecy scholar John Wolverd wrote, to put it in ordinary language, the situation would, such, would be such that one would have to spend a day's wages for a loaf of bread with no money left to buy anything else. The symbolism, therefore, indicates a time of economic devastation and famine when life will be reduced to the barest necessities. Number two, degenerating quality of food. With the world economy suffering runaway inflation, the kind of food people can afford will quickly degenerate. Because one day's wages will only buy enough food for one person per day, people will have to resort to lower quality food just to put enough on the table for their families. Wheat was the main food of the ancient world. Barley was a lesser quality grain with less nutritional value often used to feed animals. During the famine of the end times, people will quit buying their usual foods and will turn to cheaper foods. By eating food of grossly inferior quality, a family of three could eat three meals a day of barley, whereas they could eat only one meal of wheat. Put, to put this in terms of today's marketplace, it will take all the money a man or even a woman can earn in a day who will have to scratch for a living to just barely buy meat and potatoes for one person for one day or macaroni and cheese or beans to feed a whole family for a day. The world will be consumed by the rider on the black horse. Earth will wreathe in the clutches of stabbing hunger. Even the rich will not escape. Revelation 6 again says, The kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? The old poem of Friedrich von Legoux will be amply fulfilled. Though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceeding small. Though the patience he stands waiting, with exactness grinds he all. No matter even if you're a billionaire, if you're a multi-billionaire, I'm talking about having a thousand million dollars, can you survive these things? Because the principle is not money, but that you live the statute, the real wealth, the values of things will change when something like this is coming. When God visits his people and God visits those who aren't his people, who do not belong to him, even though they're his children, they've, they've abandoned him and his ways, or are so caught up in everything, the, the ways of life and in their wealth, or even in their poverty, they, they, they're stealing, whatever their life is. If they're not living the statutes, the real wealth is going to change to living 
a righteous life. And everyone, the rich and the middle class and the poor, have to understand this. And it's then that God will take care of things. We will suffer with the punishment because we all are guilty and we all have contributed to the situation we find ourselves in. We're participants not even realizing. That's why our lady said, I desire that God's light illuminate you. Because we're blind to this. We don't think, well, I'm going to Mass, I'm going to church, I'm, I'm Protestant, and I'm going to Sunday school, and I'm, I'm doing my little good things. No, when you're illuminated, you realize you're a sinner, and you've built this system. You're contributing to abortion through your divorce. You're contributing to abortion through your hate. You're killing through hate. Christianity doesn't try to stop killing. Christianity tries to stop in the heart hatred because that leads to killing. Unlike any other faith, any other religion. We stop it and we're supposed to stop it within the heart. So what's in the heart? Greed, entertainment, pleasures, softness, a life of just making more money. Where's it in? Nothing's wrong with money. It's the love of money that's a problem. Nothing's wrong with being wealthy. Nothing's wrong with even being in poverty. What's Obama and the likes treated as a sin to be in poverty? Jesus was raised in poverty. He lived in poverty and he died in poverty. The only thing he had at the cross was more than anybody has ever held in the wealth of the world was his mother. Son, behold thy mother. Woman, behold thy son. That was his will and testament. The only thing he had in possession that he could give. And he gave that to all of mankind for the end of the world. And she's here today to come and bring us back because she belongs to us. She is our mother. And so she says on March 18th, I desire for God's light to illuminate you and God's mercy to fill you. She's, she's bargaining with God. Have mercy on them. There's no fiber in the people of the earth anymore. They live too good. Even those who are impoverished have cars and their cell phones and what we used to do, satellite dishes. Now it's all on the iPad. Our Lady continues, In this way, I desire for the darkness and the shadow of death which wants to encompass and mislead you to be driven away. These are the principles we just talked about in Isaiah. For the forest to come back down, the fields to reproduce fruit, that you abide in peaceful habitation, secure dwellings. It's not going to come from money. Your money's not going to protect you. Buying the Medjugorje Miracle Silver Medjugorje Rounds won't protect you. Living God's statutes, going to church, confessing your sins, that is your protection, even in the midst of suffering. This, this principle has to be understood in the light that God, a good Father, will take care of you. But always there's victim souls with unrighteous being promised. Do you think that just listening to Joan speaking about the reading this reading about the famines and the different things that will happen, uh, do you think this is possible, or do you think it's well? Let me rephrase that: not that it's possible, but do you actually really believe that something like this would happen? Say, for example, here in the United States, where uh, you know there's been an abundance of God's blessings, but also uh, there's also it's a very much an industrialized nation. Uh, do you actually? really believe that, that that would actually happen here? It's impossible for it not to happen. A study of civilizations in the past always reached a pinnacle sin of abomination where people 
do what is not natural. You have this happen in San Francisco. You have it being advocated. It's not somebody just crippled in their mentality or raised in the wrong way or oppressed and fallen into the sin. But this is not the sin you're punished for. Sodom wasn't destroyed because of the abomination. And what they tried to do is lot sons. Sodom was punished because they reached the pinnacle of the sin, which is a fruit of everybody not living the way they live. When this sign comes, you have a president endorsing these kinds of things, you can know that the door of death is on our doorsteps. Every civilization in the past that reached that pinnacle, fail. And we're going to fall. And we're going to be purified. Because if God doesn't come, man destroys himself. Romans 1, 18.32 says, I, he, he will turn this sin is when he turns man over to himself. And when man is not guided with God because he's driven God away, there's nothing but chaos, disaster, torture, just living by the day as a complacent woman because a lot of this comes from the woman and Adam has followed. And it's a pattern or merry-go-round that goes around throughout history. So yes, it's going to happen. And you can store up your food. You can have all kinds of systems. You can do everything. But your, your means are not your protection. Your means are your statutes that you live and the principles of God that I will live righteous. I will live right. Just because I'm free to do something doesn't mean I should do it. And it's not necessarily a sin. But we need to be measured in the way we live. Not always seeking comfort. Help those who need help. When you loan money to somebody, don't charge them any interest. If, if you have the means to do that, that's what people should be up, starting people off. But there's, that's going another way. I don't want, I don't want to go there. But the thing is, stick to the principle. You'll know what to do. And the lady's telling us, she wants the shadow of death that's looming against us uh, at our doorsteps, knocking on the door. She desires for it to be driven away. She wants us to feel the joy of the blessings of God's promise. And that, Matthew 6, is God's promise. So we have to get away this concept that we're a wealth, wealthy industrial nation and that we can make it because just a simple thing of the weather changing like it did in the 1800s. And one winter is different than it was in the 1800s. Why? Because people put their food up like the squirrels. People prepared for a year. They didn't have the grocery store to run in and get the Campbell's soup can. They didn't have all the conveniences or we can go, yes, we can do this. The distribution that we have and enjoy now, which is a gift, because everything is a gift from God. The plenty that we enjoy, that we can just go on a whim and get whatever we want in any kind of way, at any time, in any moment, is coming down. It's impossible for it not to because we cannot be against God and live in righteousness and Him allow us to continue to founder. In some ways, it's scary. In some ways, it's hopeful. In many ways, it's exciting. I've read about the Patan March years ago. You should read that. The story John was just reading. Go get books on it. Read it. Read Unbroken. Read Seabiscuit. All these things are talking about struggles or about making it or how do you get through obstacles. I already talked about that. You'll be able to come over every obstacle through the cognition of what you're living now. You begin to live the messages, you're going to have to go through difficulties. For the converted, those who are living God's statutes, they suffer. Why? Because God wants to train them. The Navy SEALs suffer to become a Navy SEAL. She's called you apostles. Our lady says, I'm here to look for apostles. That was predicted 300 years ago with Louis de Montfort. In the latter days, Our Lady would come and raise up apostles 
of those days, and they'll be purified of the children of Levi. Why did he say they'll be purified? Because you can't be an apostle without being purified, because hordes of people are going to come to you when the sign on the mountain appears, when the three chastisements are finished, saying, what do I do? How do I live this way? I have difficulty in my family. Food, as Wall Street said, is the future gold. The question is, is your gold going to be any good? Is there not a system of exchange? How is it going to be nothing but cannibalism? You will see cannibalism. You will see people eating each other in places like New York or Los Angeles. High concentrations were well, what the scripture says. The populace of the city is deserted. Why? They've become dens forever. It's those who will be in the rural areas. Those who, that, who have some glimmer of hope. Of course, that might be the city. It may turn back to agriculture. Well, it's not going to be. It's going to have to turn back to agriculture. So we've abandoned God, and in the process, we've lost our way. As our lady says, you built a whole new, a whole new world without God as if you're your own creator. Well, she says February, I think it's February 25th, 2011. You continue on your way deaf and blind. And don't realize which way the world is going without my son. And we're a Christian. And we're a Christian nation. And we go to church on Sunday. But we're not living the principle. Those principles of Christianity that drives away the darkness. Drives away that which misleads us. A false confidence that we can make it. Because even our impoverished here in this country live wealthier than the kings before. Did the king be able to go 500 years ago and turn on a faucet and get hot water? Did the king walk down the street and have cool fresh water or water fountain anywhere he want to? Some, a street person can get that. We have taken God for granted too long. Our lady is here to shake us and to wake us. We're in a deep sleep. And when we wake up, it won't be pleasant. And a friend of Medjugorje has uh, set up Frank for the purposes of helping to secure your means of exchange in, in the interim time until you could reach that simpler way of life where you are providing from God is providing your needs from the soil to your mouth. And uh, it's not something that you can get to overnight, but it is something that in the meantime you will need to preserve uh, your means of exchange in the event of an economic collapse that is coming. Uh, but uh, but the, he designed the Miraculous Metal Medjugorje around and uh, Frank is the distributor of that, and uh, you can contact Frank uh, toll-free at 877-936-7686. Again, that's 877-936-7686. The email address is globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. That's globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com, and the website is globalsilverinvestors.com. One more note as well is uh, to the How-To New Communities Convention. It takes place April the 29th through May the 1st. Again, April the 29th through May the 1st. That's a Tuesday through a Thursday. And uh, this convention is, is vitally important for your future. It is uh, important for, first of all, for those of you that have read They Fire the First Shot. It only is available only to those who have read They Fire the First Shot. Uh, but it uh, is something to, to uh, as a springboard to move you forward, move you ahead in uh, getting towards that simpler way of life that Our Lady is calling everyone to. If you have already attended one or the or one or both of the previous conventions, you'll especially benefit from this third one 
and increasing your capacity of being able to understand more. And that was also as well, there will be some new speakers as well. But, but again, uh, this, uh, this will be limited to the first 400 people. And so uh, that's something that you'll need to secure your place for uh, very, very quickly. And there's information on the website, medj.com. Uh, you know, also as well, you can contact Caritas at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Again, that's the How-To New Communities Convention, April the 29th through May the 1st. One of the aspects of being at the convention that we see and hear and, and you can sense it is that you're around people and surrounded by people who think the way you do. And it's a great consolation because so many people are out there like islands and even in family, they're not relating to them. So if nothing else, just being around those people gives you strength. It emboldens you. It gives you ideas that you didn't have before you came just by seeing and hearing different people and what they're doing. And some of these new speakers will share where they've developed, how they've developed a way of life. And Isaiah continues about the judgment of the nations in chapter 34. It says, Draw near, O nations, to hear, and hearken, O peoples, that the earth listen, and all that fills it, the world, and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against all the nations, and furious against all their hosts. He has doomed them, has given them over for slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out, and the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood. Amazing. Because it's very simple how to avoid these things. And if the righteous are punished with them, we still avoid it because we go to heaven. Your insurance, your protection, everything you have depends on living God's Ten Commandments. Not nine of them, ten of them. It's not complicated. It's not big financial situations. We try to keep the banks moving and doing this and doing that and make all we can right now. Your true wealth, your protection, is very simple. It's Christian principles tied to the laws and binding the laws of civil that we live this way of life that God's given to us. We wish Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.